0: As I mentioned a moment ago, we're certainly grateful for the presence of everyone this morning. And uh, now at this time of the service, I invite your attention to some of the things we'll have to say from the Scriptures. If you, if, I'm going to put the verses we're going to consider up on the screen here, but if you would like to look at them in a Bible, there are Bibles scattered underneath many of the seats here. You can do that, so um, anyway, help yourself in that way. But I would invite your attention to uh, some of the scriptures that have to do with the topic this morning of the qualifications of deacons. We had a congreg and we need to cover a lot of material today, so I'll try not to be too long in the introduction here, but we had a, a, a uh, congregation meeting last week and we briefly discussed the idea of trying to see if other more deacons could be appointed. Of course, we lost one of our deacons earlier in the year when Gary Richards passed away, unfortunately. And so we would like to kind of get things back in, in a more orderly and functional basis by having more deacons. But that can only happen if the congregation believes that there are men that are qualified for this task. We can't just appoint deacons without considering the qualifications and what the scriptures say and then the congregation has to look out as we'll come to in this lesson and see what they think when we appointed elders in this church about 20 years ago the church selected the elders and then we had an evangelist my brother appoint those elders Gary and I appointing elders does not necessarily mean selecting elders and i would base this as we'll see in a moment in another scripture just don't want to get we may not even get there but in acts chapter 6 when they had a problem with the uh, widows some of them seemingly being neglected or the accusation made they were being neglected the apostle said to the church you look out among you and select seven men of good report and list the qualifications that they wanted for those men and then they brought those men before the apostles and they pick the seven. There may have been more, not broad, I don't know, but they pick seven and it names those. And so that's the process in a prototype of how Gary and I have chosen to, uh, well, I used that process before we had elders, and then since then, we've used it to appoint deacons twice, two other times, where the church selects the men and then the elders look at those qualifications and say, yes, these are men are qualified and then we appoint them. And so I'm going to at the end of this lesson today in the lobby we'll have some sheets here. I printed out some sheets with the qualifications of these de- deacons as listed here on them. I'm going to give an envelope to you to each person, either an envelope per family or you can take individual sheets. There's four in each one, did you see? So there's four sheets in each envelope. You're supposed to put one name if you think a person is qualified on each sheet. Don't write a bunch of names. What? One sheet. And we're gonna, then Gary and I, no one else will know. We will take these and calculate and see who the church selects. And we want you to sign your name to it. So that there can be no question about this is what the church thinks. This is who's, who submitted this. If you don't think anybody's qualified, then hand in a sheet with nothing on it accept your name and then we'll know sign your name on there put nothing on there and that's perfectly acceptable if the church looks at it and says I don't see any any men who qualify then then we'll accept that and live with that and that's the way it will be okay because it has to be and I think that's one reason we haven't had any difficulty in the 20 some 20 years of us having elders and deacons in this church we haven't had any real difficulty with trouble over that because the church selected those men and they accept that as the ones who are qualified for that. So, in any event, we'll come back to that in a moment. But first, right now, let's take a look at what the Scripture says about deacons and what deacons are. Turn over to First Timothy uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. After he talks about the de- pointing elders, Paul says, "...likewise deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money." "'holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. "'But let these first also be tested, "'and then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. "'Likewise their wives must be reverent, not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. "'Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, "'ruling their children and their households well. "'For those who have served well as deacons "'obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith "'which is in Christ Jesus.'" So that's just, that's a plain straightforward statement of what the Holy Spirit says of the kind of men God wants for deacons. Not every Christian has to meet all of these per se, but there's a job to be done as a deacon and these are the requirements God puts forth for the job. Same thing is true with elders. I've heard it said, well, every Christian should meet the qualifications of elders. Well, that isn't necessarily true. El- being an elder is a specific function or job that God needs done. And the list and the qualifications he gives in Timothy and Titus are what God thinks that kind of person should be to do the job he wants done. Okay, And that- that's how you look at it. We'll- and you have to look at it in a broad sense. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Something else to consider about this is what is said, and we'll come back to First Timothy in just a moment, but as far as deacons are concerned, being an integral part of the church, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul begins that epistle by saying, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So there are three categories of Christians here in this epistle. There are the saints, that's everybody, and with though, those saints have bishops or overseers and deacons. This word bishop here is in most modern translations would be translated as overseer. And it comes from the word episkopos, epi meaning over, and skopos meaning like a telescope to look out. So uh, we would call it a superintendent. Bishops are pastors and they are elders, they are old, mature men, and they are overseers. They're to oversee or watch over the flock. And so he says the church has both these bishops and deacons to serve. And they have two different functions. They work together, and I believe what this scripture is saying is that, they, I mean implies that the deacons uh, serve to do what the elders need them to do, and what the church needs them to do, because that's what it means. Now, there's no, and when he talks about elders, there's pretty specific things that they're to do. and mostly involves teaching. The work of an elder involves teaching and watching over the flock with regard to t- teaching and false teaching, false brethren, other difficulties. That's the work of an elder and leading people along in that regard. That's not the work of a deacon. They don't, it doesn't talk about them having to be teachers as such. We'll see that in a moment. But they have a different responsibility. What's this word mean? Well, deacon is an old English word. It comes, at, actually it kind of comes out of the Greek. The Greek word is diakonos. Not that that matters too much, but it's used quite a bit in the Bible in various forms. And the lexicon says, strange enough, that it, that it probably comes from an old word meaning diako, which means to run on errands. So my wife does a lot of diacoing around the town. Okay. Running errands for the kids and grandkids and me and everybody else. She, that's what it means. Someone you send on errands. You need something done, then you say, you go and do this. It's that simple. Now that's a fundamental understanding of what a deacon is. His job is to do what needs to be done to serve the church. Okay. That's what his job is. Do you know what it is? You know, I run this Florida State Fair poultry show there in Tampa. It's a big operation, lasts for several days. Thousands of people come through that thing there and we got six, seven, eight hundred different kind of birds there that have to all be managed and, and deal with the public and people getting bit by rabbits in the same building and they always come to me and all this kind of stuff. And people will say, well, oh, I, I asked for volunteers. You want, I need some help. So they say, well, Uh, I'll volunteer. What do you want me to do? Okay. And here's what I tell them. And it never works. I say, what I would like you to do is come to the fair, tell me when you're coming, and stand there by my office until I tell you to do something. (laughs) That's really what I need. I need someone who will stand there and hang around And when I need something done, I'll say, would you go take care of that chicken over there? Would you go talk to this person about that? Or would you go up to the office and get something for me? And nobody wants to do that. They want me to give them a specific job doing this or that that they like. What I need are deacons at the fair. I just thought of that. I need some deacons. It means ready to serve. That's how I would define a deacon. Ready and willing to serve. Isn't that an old saying that he serves who also stands and waits? Isn't there some kind of old saying like that? That's what the deacon is. We don't know what the jobs are in the church that need to be done sometimes. Sometimes we can appoint a deacon and say, well, we need you to take care of this or you to take care of that. We have a battery deacon we used to take, make sure the batteries are all charged. Kind of a joke about that, but it needs to be done. But we also need people that are just willing to serve. That's what this means, run on errands. And so it's used in the Bible often to mean minister or to minister someone or a minister or a servant three and three times as the word deacon. It's one who executes the commands of another. Especially of a master, a servant, attendant, a minister, the servant of a king. And then it talks about this specific use, which I disagree with number two here. That comes out of a lexicon that the Bible doesn't really say that the office of a deacon involves caring for the poor and distributing the money collected for their use. How? Why would they say that? Well, they would say that because they're taking those men in Acts chapter 6 and saying that they're deacons. Does the Bible say the men in Acts chapter 6, those seven... Does the Bible say that those men are deacons? Does not. I call them prototype deacons. They're the they're they're an example of a, of what a deacon is, but they're not called deacons. So I'm not going to call I'm not going to call them something the Bible doesn't call them. They're a prototype. They show you things. It's a pattern. It shows you what God wants, and they did serve specifically about money. Can deacons serve about money? Yes. In fact. Uh, when Gary Richards was here with us, he, he was in charge of t- counting the money every Sunday, making sure that was all done properly and honorably, kept records of that, gave it to the treasurer. So that was his job. And, and oftentimes when we've had cases where benevolence need to be distributed, it was the deacon's job to do that. But that isn't, we don't limit it to that. So it, re- it it really was used in Greek to be a waiter or one who serves food and drink. So if you've got an arrogant kind of fellow that thinks he's above, doing anything for anybody else he may be smart maybe nice but he might not be a good deacon because he doesn't want to do a menial task I'm going to get aside from this for a moment There's a church in Tampa some years ago that was filled with young college students and they were kind of the avant-garde church <coughs> a friend of mine was a preacher there and they would have just so many young people in that church from the college and they, all these young men wanted to speak all the time and they wanted to preach and all that which is all good so I thought I thought they did something at, at really at the instigation. One of the elders there, an older man, way older than me at the time, he said, well, I asked him about that. He said, here's what we do. We have all these young men that want to stand up and preach and tell everybody what to do. So here's what we tell them. Um, we'd like you to count the people on Sunday. We'd like you to come and make sure the building's swept or whatever. They gave them all of these behind-the-scenes jobs to do And the ones who are willing to do that, then they let them speak. The ones who wouldn't do that, they didn't consider them ready to speak to the congregation because they weren't willing to just serve. They had to have the limelight. They wanted the light shining on them. And this elder was wise enough to see that wasn't the kind of man we want speaking to the congregation here. We want a man who's humble and will serve. I think that's very wise and good advice if you can manage it. And they had, they did that. But that's what a deacon is. It's, the diakoneo, the verb form of this, is to minister unto someone, to be a servant, and attending, a domestic, that's like a household servant, to wait on upon, so forth, to wait tables and offer food to drink and to the guests and so forth. And so this is, number four, to attend to anything that may serve another's interest, to serve by supply. So whatever the elders here need to be done and whatever the church needs, and hopefully the elders are responding to what the church needs done, Group, as a group or as individuals, that's what deacons are supposed to do. It's not its not defined in the Bible any more specifically than that. And so we're going to leave it there, how the Bible defines it, as a servant. Uh, Matthew Henry, an old commentator, said the deacons had a great trust reposed in them. They must be grave, serious, prudent men. It's not fit that public trust should be lodged in the hands of any till they are found fit for the business with which they are to be trusted. That's what it means, let them first be proved. It means tested. So, if I were choosing myself, if I were, not choosing myself, if I myself were doing the choosing, I would first look out and say, who have we asked to do things here that they have faithfully done? They have consistently and faithfully done what we need them to do. That's the proving. You don't just put a man who's never been tested this way. When I was just the evangelist here and we had no elders this back there that's how I looked out at the church and thought who could be an elder here I looked at who the people already trusted to teach them and to lead them when I saw that there were two or three men that the congregation looked up to and, to, and trusted to give them advice and to help them I thought now those are candidates those are men who have the, are in the ballpark possibilities will the church and the same thing is true with deacons so he says they should, public trust should not be lodged in the hands of any till they are found fit for the business with which they are to be trusted. All who are related to ministers must take great care to walk as becomes the gospel of Christ. Now let's look at some of the qualifications quickly this morning. We could, I could spend a long time in each word. Stacy Jones knows this very well, but we're not going to this morning. The word simnos is the word for grave. They must be grave. Boy, I'm telling you. Our whole society lacks gravity. I think in one election many years ago, they said to a certain candidate, lacked gravitas. Any of y'all to remember this? Gravitas. It means seriousness or weight. And that's what this word means. It means being the kind of young man or even man in general that you're looking to, to be a deacon. First of all, the Bible says he must be grave. He must be a serious person. He must be respectable is the idea here to be venerated or looked up to for character honorable of persons deeds so do you have a young man or even an older man who can be a deacon who is he honorable has he shown that he respects the word he respects the gospel he respects the church he respects people he respects the duties he's given as a father and a, on his job is he is he that kind of person that's what it means to be grave and a lot of, a lot of young people are not grave. They're not serious about anything. They, they just want a party. Everything is about, and that's, tr- that's a trouble with Americans in general. Everything is a party. And that really, that's not sober minded. Sober mindedness and gravity go together. We need men who are grave. That doesn't mean you can't have fun, but it means they know what should be taken seriously. And when something should be taken seriously, they do are So if we give a, a man a charge of counting and, and, and making sure the money is all accounted for, he can't be flippant about that or, or inconsistent about that. He's got to take that as a serious responsibility. If we ask him to make sure that so-and-so has what they need and we send someone to find out about the so-and-so, sister, so-and-so need something from the church or from us, he has to take that responsibility seriously and not just be flippant and offhanded about it. That's great. And he can be as funny as he wants to be, but he needs to have gravity. And then there is not double tongue. You speak with forked tongue. Remember the old westerns? White man speaks with forked tongue. It means there's two different things coming out of his mouth. Like a snake. One is this, one is this. not double tongueed. And it, it, it literally means saying the same thing twice or repeating, but it's being double in speech. Saying one thing with one person and another thing with another person with the intent to deceive or to make yourself look good. Not double-tongued. Why would this be an important qualification for this man? It should be important for all of us, but it, it's particularly important for the deacon. Because if he has a job he's got to do in dealing with people uh, for the elders or for the church, He needs to be consistent and he needs to be able to say, no, that's not the way it was designed. We're going to do this. He can't say one thing just to make someone happy say another thing to make somebody else happy. He's got to be honest about the thing and tell it, as it were, like it is, with with gravity and sensibility. But he must have integrity, which is missing so much of our society. Fundamental integrity or honorableness, honesty. He can be counted on to tell what's true and what ought to be done Every time. This is an important qualification of elders and deacons. Now, that he cannot be given to or addicted to much wine, depending on the translation. Given. It means to apply to oneself to or attach oneself to something or to hold or cleave to a person or thing. To be given to or addicted to, the, the lexicon says. To devote thought and effort to something. So if a person is given to wine, it means wine is very important to them. And they give a lot of thought to it. They give a lot of thought to intoxication of various kinds, and it's an important part of their life, and they're not going to do without it. Given to wine. Hmm. See, they used to drink grape juice or unfermented juice back then if they could. But they couldn't always do that. And so sometimes they were drinking what's fermented. And they used it for these. What they used fermented drink for was to purify water. That's the Quote Jesus says the Jews' manner of purifying. They would take one part of alcoholic wine, which was two or three percent alcohol, not the kind of wine we have today that's twenty percent alcohol, but they take two or three percent and they'd mix it with two or three parts of water. So they put a little bit of wine in there, and they would purify it, get rid of germs. They knew that there was something that would make them sick from reading eating the plain water, but when they put some wine in there, they didn't get sick from it. And so they they did like that. But other people became given to the wine. They are the wine mommies and wine daddies today that got to have their wine to make it through life in the day. And they're given to it. He's Why is that important? Well, look, if you've got a man that you need to carry out responsibilities and and have to think through how to handle people and situations in a church, you don't want someone who's given to intoxication. You want someone that you can count on day or night to go and be sober and do what they need to do. That's what you need. And sometimes it involves that. You need someone who's clear-thinking and sober-minded. Not someone whose attention is diverted into intoxication. So that's part of the problem. You can't be given to this wine. So it's not holding the mind on much wine. That's what Robertson says. That attitude leads to overindulgence. So you hold your mind on it. You think a lot about it. You care a lot about it. And uh, we're not going to take time to go into all of that. That's another subject. But that's why it's a... Look at... The, why the quality is said here would be important for the job of serving. That's what I'm making with you. And then, not greedy for filthy lucre, or not greedy for money, or not fond of sordid gain, depending on the translation. I, wrote today, so I can't, can't say it. That's your homework for next week. Learn how to pronounce that word. I remember writing a paper. <laughs> I've been bad for a long time. I wrote a paper in the seventh grade on a book called Nine Men Against America. It was about the Supreme Court and how they had betrayed the Constitution back in the 60s, Earl Warren and so forth. And I wrote in this paper, wrote this long essay on this book in the seventh grade, that these men were fond of sword, of filthy lucre, I put. Filthy lucre, I use in that word. Because I remember this because my teacher... Handed the, it, it back with big red marks all over this, cause she was probably a little, and especially this filthy lucre thing. She thought I, what, what are you making up here? You know, what, what does this mean? She, question marks. So I went and got my Bible at home, brought it back and showed her in the Bible where it says filthy lucre. She just looked at me. You know, okay. Not only are you, uh, saying we should criticize the Supreme Court, but you read the Bible. So, you know, you're out. All right. It means eager for base gain, greedy for money. There are some people that just money just, they're like, they're with money like some people are about wine. They're really fixated on it. Okay. And they're going to get their share every, everything they, every issue that comes up, what they're thinking is the money and how they can make more is going to cost them something. That's all they can think about. If I tell the church to be hospitable, they're just thinking how much it's going to cost their budget to be hospitable. There's people like that. Uh, Robertson says it's an old war- word for making small gains in mean ways mean here meaning stingy mean is an old word for stingy they just love money so much that they can't function well in the church without it the church is not about money church needs money the church should use money and we should all contribute and the and and um uh, The church should spend the money that we have, not hold on to it, but spend it for the right things in the right ways. And if you've got a man who's dealing with this who is stingy in every regard, then there are going to be people that need to be helped who will not be helped. There are going to be things, good things that could be done with the money that won't happen because he'll object to it because he's stingy. Or is fond of greed or he'll be figuring out a way he can make money from it. This is how the denomination world operates. There's grifters of all kinds. And so they see this money coming into treasuries and their thought is, well, how can I get my share of that? And so they, well, don't we see this all the time? They've always got their hand in there, pulling some out for themselves. This is the kind of man you're looking for. And as I mentioned before, it says he must first be proved or tested. Dokomazzo, the proof. Now here's what you, it says to test, to examine, to prove, scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not as metals. So you ever seen the old movies, pirate movies or westerns, when a guy pays somebody something with some coins and he takes a coin, what's he do? Put his mouth and tries to bend it. You see, because the cheap metals will bend. If it's gold, it doesn't bend the same way. If it's silver, it bends another way. He's testing the metal. That's what this means. Let these men first be proven. And so sometimes you got to wait to have deacons until you can go through the process of testing people and saying, what um, are they going to be reliable? Can you count on them? Are they honorable? Are they going to be able to? Some people, you know, have you ever seen this? You give somebody a badge and all of a sudden they change a different person. Well, you give them a badge because now they got a you got to test this person. You're, an, you're just a member of the church and you do five, but when you get put that title on there of deacon, all of a sudden they're Barney Fife. Running around telling everybody what to do over something. And their wives can be the same way. So be careful about this. Test them first to see how they're going to handle. Because it is a responsibility. Deacons don't really have authority in the church. Authority is vested in the elders. But they do have responsibilities and they have to be counted on to carry those out. And some people don't handle that badge very well. And other people handle it fine because they're humble enough. So this is what this word proven or tested means. Then they must be blameless or without reproach. Anaclectos. It means that they cannot be called into account or unapproved, unaccused or blameless. You can't have a man as a deacon who a portion of the church thinks is a sexual abuser. He's had his hands all over the ladies and the children. No one's ever, you know, accused him of anything per se, but that's his reputation. You can't have that. You can't have one who is known to be a liar and make him a deacon. You can't have one who's known to be a cheat, have be a deacon, and he's business partners, but people in business won't do business with him because he's he's slick and he's a cheat. Can't do that. He's not blameless. It doesn't mean that he's never committed a sin. It means that you can't hold him to account for things in his character uh, that are open, that never been dealt with or anything like that. <clears throat> and if a man has been guilty of those things in the past, you need him time to say, is he, is he changed? And can he be trusted now? You need to understand these things. There's a fellow in the church. We, we moved to another, to a city. Um, Judy and I did some years ago. And, uh, we've been there for a few months and her mother came to visit. Mother and father came to visit and we sat down at dinner time that afternoon. And I was trying to, she was asking about different people that she had met at the church. Who was this? Who was that? And who was this fellow? And, um, I said, well, you know, he's the guy that was standing next to me as we everybody went out the door. He's the guy standing next to me that morning. She goes, oh, you mean the guy with his hands all over the ladies. I said, well, okay. I'm not a lady, so he didn't put his hands on me. And I don't, I wasn't watching that. But you know what? She was right about that. His character proved to be very low. And it was known by some of the other people. I was new there. But they had never ever confronted this problem. Now that's not a blameless man. You put that man in charge of things and the church gave him authority. He's really going to have authority over the ladies, isn't he? Dangerous. Needs to be watched for. Be careful about that. So, you know, Anyway. It says, but don't, don't take that last one. Don't, don't take that to mean that this man has to be sinless and has never done anything anybody. Else. It, it's a bigger qualification. It just means that you can't lay big things to his charge. It would hinder his work and hinder him being accepted in this work. All right. The husband of one wife. This is the one that is a, it's a, on air gune. Gune, the last word there, I trans transliterated these is the word for woman. We get gynecologists from that, for example. Gunae. It means woman. Same thing. And uh, gumnos is another word for marriage in, in some translations. Mia means one. onair means man. male. Not just human man, not just humans, but male. air is the form of the word for male. So this man is a married man or a man of one woman. Or as I have at the bottom, uh, uh, yeah, a man of one woman or a one woman man. Now I think, I think that's the fundamental meaning A one-woman man. For character-wise. Because you can have a man that's married that can be a scumbag. Okay? Or have his hands all over the other women. You can have that guy. I think it's talking about a little more than that here. He's talking about the kind of man that has a wife and is devoted to this wife and isn't interested in all the other ladies and other people. Because he has a wife who he takes care of and loves. He's a one-woman man. That's a character reference. First of all. Now it does mean he needs to be married. Don't don't misunderstand me to one woman. And we could talk about whether it means this is talking in the in the context of polygamy and all that. That we don't have time for that this morning. We don't have a problem. I don't think we have a problem with polygamy here. We we might. You know the elders don't get told a lot of things, so maybe we have somebody who <laughs> has to but anyway, uh <clears throat> this is the this again is a character reference. You don't have to worry about sending him to deal with certain situations. Like, like these men in Acts 6 who were sent to talk to deal with the widows. If they picked the kind of men that the apostles said, they wouldn't have to worry about whether there was going to be a problem with those men and the widows there because they're picking the right kind of person. Now, everybody can make mistakes, but you've got to pick the right kind of person first. And they had people back then, just like a lot of people today, that can't be trusted. So you find this person. And um, you're looking for then a married man who is devoted to this woman. Then it says ru- ruling their children and their own houses well. Ruling is Christami, which means to rule, to maintain, or be over, to set it to set or place before something. It's someone who's been set in place at the head of a family. He rules because he's set in place to do that. It means to be over something, to superintend it, to preside over. This is what the Greek lexicons say. To be a protector regarding to give aid, to care for, to give attention to. So this man, not only is he a married man, but he has ruled his children and his house well. He manages the affairs of his house so that his wife and children respect him. His children are not wild and crazy and, and out of control. He's tried his tries, they're, they're not abandoned. He hasn't abandoned them. He's taking care of his family as best he can. He's tried to make an effort to do that. That's what we need. Now, there are a lot of young men that don't do that, and older men too, but this is what has to happen. He has to have shown. Now, it doesn't say anything here about this man's children being believers or being faithful. It doesn't say that at all about the deacons. It talks about that with elders. They have to be faithful. We can talk about what that means, but that doesn't talk. And this implies to me, I may be reading into it too much, that you might be looking for younger men who are, it doesn't say el, deacons have to be elders or more mature. They can be younger men who may not have children old enough to even obey the gospel or, or, or they're close there too. So, but is he ruling? Is he taking care of his children? Is he trying to manage them and raise them up to be the right kind of people? That's what you're looking for. And, and this word well, it means, you know, fine, excellently, well, rightly, so there will be no room for blame. He's taking care of these things honorably and commendably and that's what the ruling his house well. Now then, we've got just a couple minutes left. Elders and deacons have different responsibilities. So don't confuse deacons with elders. Two different jobs. And you can read about those in the passages I have up here. They're different in authority. Elders have the rule. Deacons have no authority but are servants by the very nature of the work. They're servants. So they take they serve what the will of the elders is, or what the church needs for them to do, and so that's the difference in these two of uh, uh, these two things. So don't confuse the two. And um, I don't know what I just did here. What did I do here? All right, we haven't got time to consider this. I'll, I'll send you any of these notes. Oh boy, this is yeah. I thought it would come. I thought it'd be different than this, but well, that didn't work. I have, here's, here's what this chart does. I list all the qualifications on two different charts here of elders on one column. And then I list all the qualifications of deacons in the other column, corresponding to one another. And then where the two don't match up, I put asterisks so you can see that they just don't match up. Let me see if I can pull this in here. Do it, do it slow enough. And I'm not, I'm not sure what all of this means. Some of this I can see what it means, but for example, it says elders have to be apt to teach or able to teach. Doesn't say that about deacons at all. Why? Well, it's not. It doesn't. That isn't necessarily part of their job. Is it important that the young men of the church need to be able to teach if they can? Yes, but that's not what a deacon does. It's not saying you don't need that. It's just saying that's not what. It, and uh, is it okay, even though it says for elders they have to be of good behavior and hospitable? Is it okay for men who want to be deacons not to be hospitable? They can be inhospitable. I don't think it means that I think it's just not that's not part of the qualification of a deacon and so you see this carried out not a striker not violent and it says the same thing about being greedy for and and ruling his own house and the children not a novice for elders first proved you see how it goes across of good report from without doesn't say that about deacons having faithful children doesn't say that about deacons not self will doesn't say that about deacons not soon angry Uh, a lover of good men uh, self-controlled, holy. You see, see, all of these are not necessarily repeated. Then holding fast the word, yes, it says that. And But the next one, uh, uh, able to convict and exhort the gainsayer, that's a job that elders are to do. Doesn't give that job to deacons. He might not be mature enough to be able to do this yet, or or uh, uh, taught enough. But he can do other things. You see, and then you see some of the, uh, these other things here. All right, we, we need to. uh uh, move along to something that I want to do here let me show you this other verse and we're going to wrap this up these deacon prototypes in Acts 6 I got prototypes in parentheses because it isn't really about it's just well, it's a concept when you make a prototype you make a model of something it isn't the final product you may keep that prototype but later you make the real thing later so God gives us a prototype of deacons early in the church and then later he has Paul tell, tell Timothy this is what I want. Therefore, he says, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, speaking to the whole church, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom who when we may appoint over this business, but we will ourselves continue to give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. So, this saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose... Stephen, manful faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenaeus, Nicholas, a prophet like whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on that's the That's the appointing. So the church chose these men, they set them before the apostles, and I think that means the apostles evaluated this, and then they set their hands on them. And So then you have this uh, process that's carried out. Alright, and I think, and that's what we're going to try to do. So, after services here, I'm going to take this box back there. Let me show you what it is. may have a couple things here with this. Let me get back up here so you can hear me. I didn't use Brian's railing, but I made it. Huh? I said I'm taking I'm trying. No, 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 I like them. Very much so. Um, You're going to give four of these in here if you're a family. If you just want to take a few for yourself... That's fine. You can have as many as you want. Okay. If you want, if you think there's 15 men in this church that can be deacons, I doubt it, but that's up to you to put that on here. Okay. No one's going to know that except me and Gary. And so on here, you write then, it says, after giving careful study to 1st Timothy 3, I believe that blank, you put one man's name there. You want to put, you think there's two men, you get another sheet, you put another man's name on the other sheet. Just so we can, And I listed then the qualifications here so you can see what they are. Because some people are going to be really good at one thing, maybe not so good at something else. You don't have to disqualify a guy because he's not as good as somebody else about something. But does he not have it? Is he not acceptable because of something that's missing? That's what you got to evaluate. And then you sign it. So we know who turned it in. Not so we can hold you accountable. We're not going to call you up and tell you you're wrong. That's not at all what that's for. That's so we can then say, okay, the church has turned these in. Here's how many people are here. Here's the percentage of people that pick this person or this person. We have an idea of how this works. And we can't do that if we just get anonymous things. Because you could fill out a bunch of these. Same person. It wouldn't be correct. It would skew things. But if you don't think anybody is qualified, just leave it blank. Just sign your name and turn it back in. That's fine. You can do that. That's not going to be a problem at all. And So it says... Please return this to Gary Jones or Mike Schmidt by Sunday, November 26th. So that's about three weeks, something like that. If we need to extend that for some reason, we can. It's not written in stone. You can hand them to us personally. You can walk up to me and Gary and give us the envelope or the sheets. There's a wooden box on the wall as you go out the door that we put requests for CDs and stuff in. Put it in there if you want to, however you want to do it. And then if you want to talk about it, there's Gary's contact information. There's my contact information. We'll be glad to clarify anything about this that needs to be clarified for you. So we'd ask you then to uh, uh, consider this prayerfully, look over these. If you would like copies of these notes or these slides, please let me know and I will send them to you. Either I'll hand them to you as a printout or I'll give them to you by email, whatever the case may be. All right, Gary, you want to say anything? Because we're going to wrap this up. Okay. Alright, very good. Thank you so much for your attention this morning to this. I know this may seem to some like a inside job. It's not meant to be that. Uh, I hope even if you're not a member of this church, you can see that what we're trying to do here, we're trying to follow the Scriptures in the way that the Scriptures talk about having leaders in this church. So far... I think that's worked out fairly well to keep us united and functioning together. Obviously, there are fa- faults and failures, but when you just do things the way you want to and appoint subdeacons and archbishops and whatever you're going to do, you, you're going away from God's law, and it can't be blessed in the long run. So this is what we're going to do. Hopefully, we'll, we'll find some, a couple of people uh, in the future, near future, whether it's this time or some other time, that can do this. We're going to sing now as we close. Uh, number 744 that Joel selected here as a way to encourage you to become a Christian if we can help you in any way to obey the gospel of Christ by being baptized into Christ or pray with you about a problem or a sin, come down to the front row here. We'll be glad to pray with you and help you today and your friends and your neighbors will rejoice. Let's stand and sing.